do, please give a warm welcome, because he's warm, to my good friend, Rich Mangiacaro. Hey, everybody. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Thanks, buddy. I'm doing great. I, I just, I told everybody what's going on out there with the heat and everything. So uh, thanks again for doing this, man. It's, oh, sure. I'm so glad to do it with you. Yeah, it's a little toasty here. It's kind of unusual for Santa Monica. We don't, <laughs> doesn't really get that warm here that often, you know, but uh, we got one of those days today. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is it, is it because the, is the breeze coming um, off the land versus off the water? Or is it like yeah. one of those things where, yeah. I think so. I think, yeah, it's coming from the desert. It's supposed to be like this throughout the entire week this week. So, uh, wow. yeah, we're, we're a little, um, we're in a pretty severe drought out here. You know, it's been a, a rough year. I think, yeah. yeah, I hope we get some rain, but it doesn't look like we're going to get any. So, but yeah, it's the story living here, you know. I know, man. I know. I remember we, we just, we, we need rain here too. We just got some rain today and it's the sun's out again. It's beautiful, but um, it was one of those weird humid days, which you remember from living in New York, where it's, it's just clammy and cloudy yeah. and, and then it just sort of opens up and now it's, it feels great. I yeah. think we're going to get some nice weather. So, so pal, it's good to see you. I, 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 yeah. Setting up the show. I, I, I mentioned, you know, we go back a long ways and, and by my recollection, it goes back, we go back to when you started at Peisty around 1987. Yeah. I think we met. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and you were with Peisty for 20 years. Yeah. Just shy of 20. 20. Just yeah, shy and you, you were at, uh, you were at DW when I started at Peisty. Yeah. 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 We were a couple of couple of young guys, new sort of new to the business, and uh, man, a lot yeah. of lot of changes since those old days, those early days of our respective careers. The things we've seen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of changes. Oh, man. I know, I know. You know, and and I I know I've told you this, and I just want to say it because one of the things that really really I appreciate about our friendship all these years that, that still stays with me is that um, when I got the job with Zildjian in 89, I remember seeing you at the NAMM show in Chicago, um, the old summer NAMM show. And, and it was the, the announcement was in the upbeat dailies or one of those, you know, magazines with the press releases. And you came over to the, the Zildjian booth and really genuinely, sincerely congratulated me and said, like, I'm so happy for you. And, and, uh, and, you know, I, I remember thinking, like, I'm so glad this, you know, we work for competing companies, but it's, it's, we had this friendship for a couple of years before that, and, and it didn't affect it, and, and it never did in all the years we worked in the industry, you know, that way. Yeah, me too. I, you know, we, we kind of share a lot of the same, I think we share a lot of the same values and, um, and kind of the way we look at the whole thing, you know, yeah. and what we do, you know. And that's one of the things I think we bonded over. Plus, you know, you starting a DW and my history with them, you know, um, it's pretty strong. And I really, in my career, I owe a lot to John Good. Uh, a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, John has been a dear friend for a long time and, and has been really in my corner for a long time, not just in this industry, but kind of helped me pave my performing career. And unbeknownst to him, actually, in the way the whole thing went down, which I could tell you about, but it really was, he's, he's a big part of my life and my career. That's great. Know? So yeah. did, did, does it go, I know he, 
I, I remember when, when John and I worked together at EW, he was a huge fan of Venice. And, and yeah. is that where it all started when you were playing yeah. in Venice? Yeah. Well, we were, we were, you know, back in the very early days of when I started with Peisty and, and we were doing the, um, every year, the PIT and, and Musicians Institute in Hollywood would have their graduation ceremony. So um, yearly, we were, you know, so, some of us in the industry were asked to present an award at the graduation. So I was one year, um, both John and I were asked to go up on stage and present an award. And we were there kind of hanging out together and sitting in the audience. And um, uh, actually, you know, I'm trying to remember if it was at the school. I don't think it was at the school. I think it was actually at the Wiltern Theater that year. So it was in a really nice venue here in LA. Mm. So we're doing our thing with the school. We're finishing that up. And John goes, what are you doing after this? I said, well, he goes, why don't you come out to dinner and then we'll, I want to take you to see my favorite band, Venice. And this was probably like, um, God, it had to be early 90s. You know, I, I don't know exact year, but it was early 90s. Yeah. And uh, so I went with them and I'm like, who's Venice? You know, I didn't know Scott Crago at the time. Wow. And uh, so we go see this band at this local club, actually right up the street from where I live right now. Uh, it's, it's a hardware store now, but it used to be this big cavernous <laughs> club. And uh, we walk in there and, you know, early 90s, the, every guy in the band's hair was, was way down to here. You know, they look completely different than they do now. And um, they were a staple in Los Angeles. They're a local band. That I remember. At, yeah. at the time that John took me to see them, they had just released their first album and Danny Korchmar produced it. And it had a single on the radio here. And it was they were a big deal. And um, it was before they had connected with their following in Europe. So um, that's when I met Scott Crago. And uh, so Scotty was already signed to DW. He did not have a symbol endorsement. So I signed him to Peisty. And I don't know if he was with Vic Firth yet, but he's been with Vic Firth ever since. So he yeah. stayed with the same companies ever since he started. But uh, I brought him on board to Peisty and we became friends. And... Uh, Years, a couple years later, uh, he saw me play with an original project here in Los Angeles, a really good band uh, that was very close to getting a deal and that whole thing. And it was it was great. And he loved it so much that he got involved as the producer of the next record. So he produced our album after he met us. And then long story short, Glenn came to him and said, uh, I need a percussionist. And Scotty goes, I got the guy. So that's wow. how... So it all led from John Good, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and Scott Crago. Yeah. yeah. And you being a great percussionist and and Glenn being Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which yeah, he which didn't want to he didn't want to do additions. He had he had, you know, didn't want to go through that. He said, I just want you to recommend somebody. So Scotty recommended me and um Needless to say, I was pretty nervous the first time I went. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I knew all the music, but uh, you know, and it I knew what to do, but, you know, the first day I, I met Glenn and Andrew Walsh was the first rehearsal, just walking in and starting rehearsals with no, with no meeting beforehand. Yeah. So it doesn't wow. happen like that very often. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And, yeah. and it wasn't, and that wasn't an audition, Rich, right? That was like, you, no. you came in, you had the gig. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just, I mean, purely on Scott Crago's uh, recommendation, which, you know, he stuck his neck out. He knew how I played and, uh, and it just worked out. I ended up staying uh, for 15 years 
So I was I was with him till he passed away, and um, yeah. So yeah, it was an amazing gig. That's that's awesome, man. Yeah, I, and I I don't know if a lot of people know that about you that. In addition to you know you you being an icon in the industry and 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 I you know and I I I don't use that word freely but you are I mean you've worked for Peisty for almost twenty years you've worked for Gonbops for I, I think you said ten years now yep. um, and you're a known guy in the drum industry loved by everybody and also like a a real hot shit musician that that <laughs> that's I, I, I'm a side man. but yeah I mean it's uh, yeah I've so I've always been a musician my whole entire life like you. You know, we all get into this industry, you know, before we got into what we do, we were all players. Yeah. You know, you, you and I have both been playing since we were kids. You know, my first instrument was drum set, not percussion. Um, but I studied percussion in college, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I feel very fortunate, you know. And so when you moved and you grew up in Syracuse? In, yeah. In Syracuse. So when you moved out to L.A., I take it it was like the rest of us. You went out there to, to be a player. Yep. And, you know, got into the scene and, and found your way over to working in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I, got, I came out here for actually the first time I came out here twice. The first time I came out was in 1982. Stayed for a year. I freelanced around town and uh, I had never finished my degree in percussion. I was going to music school from like 75 to 79. And mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of all that, I changed curriculums. I was in music education. I didn't really want to do music teaching, so I changed into music industry curriculum. Lost almost a year of credit, so I was a little behind in that. And then I got an offer to go on the road, and it wasn't a national act. It was a like a show band. We played Vegas and Atlantic City and all that kind of stuff. So I actually left college, didn't get my degree in '79, and went on the road for five years. So I was just touring, playing in hotels, clubs, casinos, that kind of stuff on drum set and, and lead vocals. And um, then uh, uh, I moved to California to pursue music and um, was here for a year doing more just freelancing. And I just kind of got a bug to go back and finish my music degree. And that was in uh, 84, 83, 84. So my closest friend from my youth, uh, he's uh, my, my oldest friend, drummer, and music instructor named Jim Ahern. He's from uh, Syracuse. He was a music instructor, a music teacher. He was going to school at Potsdam College up yeah. in Potsdam, New York, with Jim Peterzak. Right. Okay. So. I, I've heard it. I know Jim Ahern. I feel like I, yeah. I'm not sure if you met him, but you know Peterzak. Sure. Yeah. 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 Because um, when I was in school at Syracuse University, I was studying with Ernie Muski, who was a student of John Beck's. So uh, that's where the bulk of my drumming and percussion education came from was Ernie Muski. When I went back to finish my degree, I went to Potsdam with my friend Jim Ahern to Crane School of Music, and I finished my degree there. And my degree there was in performance. And I did it in one year. I did the junior and the senior recital in one year. Uh, I just wanted to knock it out. So yeah. So, so, so I did that. And then I came back here in 80, 86, landed back in L.A., got the gig with Peisty in 87, and I got the job with Peisty because I was just thinking I need a supplement to playing, you know. Little did I know it was going to turn into what you and I <laughs> have had to endure. <laughs> I know. It, it's, you know. It's funny how that road, you know, and no regrets, you know. I'm sure no, you no. have no regrets. Yeah. It, 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 it takes you like you, you 
I mean, I think I, I consider myself, I think you do too, pretty fortunate to, to have worked oh, for, man. you know, good company and yeah. And, and, uh, I was going to say, and, and I, I remember when I came out in 85, Steve Edelson was still working for Pisces. Right. Um, until around, I think 86. And there was a guy before you, I was thinking about this today, Jeff Newhauser. Is that his right. name? Jeff yeah. was there. Jeff was there for a year and I replaced him. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, Edelson was there in the early 80s. He kind of established the Peisty, um, uh, the early roster. And, um, and then I came in and stayed the longest uh, Yeah, after those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and, and rest his soul, Steve was, you know, he was great. He was definitely, a, um, yeah. you know, a groundbreaking artist relations industry guy, you know. Yeah, he um, sure was. Yeah. But you definitely made an impact when you, when you got there. I mean, it was, it was, I think about like the relationship that you had with Jeff Beccaro and, and still have with Jim Keltner and, and, you know, all those, all those guys out there that are, that are just, you know, like the, the, the A players out there, you know, I feel very lucky like you do to know all these guys, you know, and, you know, I still have that small town boy in me. Yeah. You know, so I still pinch myself, even with all this behind me and all the years that we do this, you know, I still pinch myself knowing these people and, you know, growing up in a small town, being a drummer and, and listening to the people that influenced me and, you know, yeah. So there's never a day that goes by that. I'm not like very thankful, you know, yeah, and very no. thankful to Peisty because it, it, it paved a lot of things for me. And uh, it was a great, great bunch of years. Uh, great instruments, very creative artisans in Switzerland, highly, highly skilled, highly creative, still are, and um, very unique. Um, I learned a lot. I really learned a lot. Yeah. But the artist relations, I had to kind of take that and learn myself, actually. There wasn't a, there wasn't a playbook, as you well know. They just <laughs> yeah, kind no, of throw you into the fire and go, okay, go do that. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. I mean, I still recall some of the very first endorsees that I met, you know, when the first couple of weeks that I was there. And to this day, they're dear friends, you know, the first guys that I had to deal with, you know, um, uh, Alex Klein was one of them, was a great jazz drummer here in Los Angeles. Uh, Mark Herndon from Alabama was one of the very yeah. first people I, I worked with. Um, and um, Raphael Gale. Yeah. Uh, and Raphael Gale was another one who spent a lot of years with um, Leonard Cohen, amongst a lot of other people. And then Stuart Copeland, actually, and uh, Jeff Picaro were very early on who I met when I first started, you know? So, wow. That's yeah. some great company, man. That's, that's, yeah. But I know you're right. It's, it's like that, those, there isn't a playbook. You, you, and if you, when you have the right personality and the right temperament, you excel as you did, as you do. And, and, uh, and as you did, I mean, you know, we, we shared a lot of those stories when you were doing the job and, uh, and dealing with our favorite players on your end, you know, with Steve Gadd and everybody. And uh, it's the, the guys you've become such old, dear friends with. You know, speaking of your old, dear friends from Zildjian, uh, my neighbor is Peter Erskine, who lives only a couple of blocks from me. And uh, I got to call him because we used to get together before the pandemic. And there's this great coffee shop right up the street that we would meet at and have coffee. And it was just so great to have that, you know, and up the street. And every once yeah. in a while, we're walking in the neighborhood to get a burrito or something. And I'll see him and Mutsi walking down the street with a 
food, you know, <laughs> and it's just great to have him like right here, you know. Oh, that's so, I, if, yeah, I, you should definitely do that. If I lived, if I lived in Santa Monica on the West side, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be bothering Peter a lot and you. He's so great. I mean, yeah, Peter's just he's, wonderful. And he's got a beautiful studio and he's, you know, you know, he's just a groove to hang with. Yeah. So <clears throat> he sure is. He sure is. So, so tell me about like, cause I mean, in addition to, to, working in the industry, you know, Peisty and, and Gonbops, you've like written for Drumhead magazine, like all the magazines or most of the major magazines, I think, right. You've, you've done interviews and articles and. Yeah. Yeah. And, I've written for, um, I mean, all of the major ones, modern drummer, Drumhead, uh, drum scene in Australia, uh, rhythm in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, yep. And that, and that came about, you just, that's, it's, something you've always had a passion for and just, you know, cause that's not something that's it's not an easy thing for people to, to be a good writer. You know, you know what I mean? You've got to know how to edit yourself and, and know how to write. And I've seen the stuff you've written and it's, it's excellent. It's I don't know written. why that writing came natural to me, but it did. And I think doing what you and I do all these years of working with these great people, I've gotten used to, um, having conversations and learning and listening. I mean, a big part of our job is listening. And uh, so the interview side of this came kind of natural and then writing, I don't know why I've had a knack for that, but I have. And um, so, yeah, uh, I'm not trying to remember the first magazine. It was probably modern drummer I'm trying to remember when I first started writing, but um yeah, I don't remember how it actually started, but then it just mushroomed from there. So, uh, and you know, it's so funny when I first started doing it, I was using like, you know, pre-digital, I was using a tape recorder with a mic on the table <laughs> and trying to catch everything <laughs> they're saying in a coffee shop with noise around you, you know, uh, and uh, then decipher it and come back and listen and transcribe and, and make a story out of it. Most of my stuff, though, was, um, was interview style. Uh, yeah. so not like, um, uh, drum magazine with exclamation point is not interview style. So my stuff was interview style. So question, answer story built off of that. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, no offense to drum magazine, but I, I prefer that style too. I prefer the more sort of question, answer interview style and conversation. Uh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, I know that it's was fun. Right. I, yeah, I miss it. I mean, it's, it's really fun. It's a lot of work. And you're not going to get rich by being a, a writer for a drum magazine. So, but it's a passion and, and uh, I love being involved, you know, with it. And I kind of took that and ran with it in later years doing my own kind of stuff, you know, whether it's a podcast now that I'm doing or a web series that I did years ago, where I interviewed people and created a series, you know, that kind of stuff. So I kind of took that idea and went with it, you know, yeah. I still do a lot of writing, but uh, it's more for, um, you know, corporate stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't want to forget to mention this because I, I made a note because very important that I, I want just everybody watching this to know that you were, you were a huge, hugely instrumental in getting Joe Percaro, Percaro inducted into the PAS hall of fame. And uh, I, I just want to, I think on behalf of all the drummers in the world, thank you for that because you know, we all love Joe and, and I'm just so thankful you did it while he was still with us. And me too. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that was, um, was that's probably my one of if not my most proud moments one of my most proud moments in the all the years that i've been in this industry you know and, and i was trying to figure out all these years that you and i were involved with pas why he wasn't selected or even asked i could yeah. not figure that out given who he was so that took three years for me to make happen uh because he was inducted in 2018 and i started the campaign in uh, 2015 or 16 mm -hmm. in uh, wrote the letter to the to PAS, collected testimonials, uh, wrote a bio. Joe was one of the guys I did a feature article for Drumhead, which also was printed in Drum Scene in in Australia. So then I sent my article and I sent testimonials and uh, and I launched a campaign. And he wasn't accepted the first time. I didn't understand that. Then I I redid it. I had been told that I have to reapply. So I reapplied the second year. He wasn't accepted again. And I'm at this point, I really couldn't figure it out. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking, well, geez, you know, I started calling all the past presidents and saying, let's, let's, let's get this done before he's not here. God forbid, yeah. you know? Uh, and then in 2018, he was accepted. And um, I don't know why it took that long, John. It should have taken one stab. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, know, I know, but, um, but I'm really very happy it happened for him. And he was there and, you were there, weren't you? Were you there? I, I didn't make it that year. No, and I, I'm well, sorry to miss it. It was something to see because he and Emil walked up on stage together. Oh, so, man. and Emil, we're talking about Emil Richards, everybody. And uh, Emil and Emil and Joe knew each other since they were about seven years old. That's yeah. how long they grew up together in Connecticut. They started in music together. They're best friends all their entire lives. And Emil was inducted into the Hall of Fame years prior to uh, yeah. to Joe. So here's Joe's chance to go up on stage with his best friend on stage together with his family in the audience. It was really something. That's, I mean, because uh, Emil passed not probably long after that, right? Maybe a year later? Uh, let's see. Um, I know he, Joe, we lost Joe last year. Emil died in uh, 2019, so a year after that, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, a year Rich. later. Man, bravo, buddy, really, for, for making that happen. And 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 that, like you say, that moment of, of the two of them together. Because I, I mean, oh. I know their history too. Yeah, they're, you know, con men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the wrecking crew. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. It That's was, a, I, I'm really happy it happened. Yeah, I am. And, and, and you're you're kind of understating it, because I remember when you we were in touch a number of times during that time and, and you expressed some frustration, understandably. And and uh, and and good for you for just like pursuing it and, and seeing it through and making it happen. You know, it's yeah. And good for PAS for doing it. And thanks to yeah. Josh at PAS. He was great. He was really helpful. And yeah. the whole team there in 2018, was, it was really a, a wonderful time. You know, I'm so happy for Joe and his family. So now his family has that plaque, which is great. You know, that's great. Yeah. That's great. You know, I, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want us to like sound like a couple of old guys complaining about how. Why not? We are. <laughs> <laughs> we are. You're right. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, we're not that used, old though. No, we're not that old. And we don't look old. We, you know, we get those good Italian genes. So we're, you know. I think we look exactly the same except for a little salt and pepper. 
I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> I just got some of my salt and pepper cut today, hoping it would uh, didn't really make a difference though. It's still there. It's, yeah, it's yeah. too much. Of it. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I, I've done some of these before and people ask like, um, what are, what's the difference or what are some of the changes that you've seen from like when you started and where it is now? And I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on like how you see what you've seen change and, and uh, with, without us, both of us sounding like, you know, doomsday negative, you know, doom and gloom guys, but. Well, a lot has changed as you know, a lot. Um, the, over the years, the industry has definitely, uh, um, for lack of a better way to put it, gotten a little bit more corporatized and less individualized family businesses because it really is many family businesses that make up the percussion industry, many wonderful, successful family businesses, you know? Yeah. You know very well. Um, and uh, they really are a lot of family businesses. And I think that's one of the changes that I've seen over the years is that there's been a melding of different companies and blending of companies and more of a corporate, and I say corporate, not in a negative way, but a corporate melding of things and bringing brands together and, and joining forces really. And probably financially, that's a, that's a, a advantageous thing as time has gone on, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a side of the business that changed with that. There was, um, I think, you know, in the nineties, the nineties were a pretty special time for the music instrument industry. There was a lot yeah. more, um, there's a lot more, uh, activities with regards to uh, clinics and educational events and uh, festivals, drum festivals and things. And it just seems like those things were a little bit more prevalent than they are now. Mm -hmm. And then jump ahead to to, to the last, um, at least the last 10 years, 10 to 15 years, social media has kind of taken over uh, the way things are promoted, the way people are seen. Because, uh, you know, when we first started, I mean, you and I remember having physical packages in our office, promotion packages, yeah. physical, sent in the mail, stacks of bios, yeah. CDs, yeah. tape, cassette tapes, where we would have to sift through everything and determine whether or not somebody could come aboard as an endorser. you know. I think the protocols are similar as far as how we make the decision to bring somebody on, but the criteria and the way they get their visibility has changed. Um, you know, we see a lot of influencers now from social media, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, that have a following that may not have the major credits that, that the artists that you and I are used to working with have, you know. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not a good thing. They definitely mm-hmm. influence sales, but it, the criteria is different now, you know. Yeah. I'm old school. I feel like the people that you and I have worked with and still, and I still work with that have the credits that have the history and have made all these amazing records and have done all these amazing tours. They've influenced musicians all around the world for a very good reason, obviously, you know, and in turn helped us sell our brand. Right. Uh, Today, if somebody's got 400,000 followers on YouTube, but no credits on playing with anybody of, of any credit or name, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or not a good thing. They're helping with sales. Mm-hmm. They're turning eyes onto the product. So that's always a good thing. 
but as far as uh, the foundational side of it. I also think, John, and this is my personal <laughs> feeling, yeah. the whole television Hollywood industry of competitive music shows mm -hmm. changed, it, changed the music industry. Yeah. And it gave a different impression on what music is, whether it's The Voice, American Idol, any of these shows. It gave a different impression to the, to the public and to the record-buying public of what music is and who's famous and why are they famous, you know? So. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll, I'll kind of, you know, emphasize what you said that there's, there's you can't I guess at this point, you can't deny that influencers are promoting brands and helping sell product, which is what you and I, um, you know, what we strive to do when we would sign artists as as endorsers of Zildjian or Peisty. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I think I'm with you in, in terms, in, I'm old school, absolutely, in terms of like the longevity of an artist and, you know, what legacy are they, are they going to leave? Like if, if an artist records a record um, that wins a Grammy and it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's going to carry on for generations potentially. Whereas, you know, with all due respect to a YouTube influencer or an Instagram in, influencer, it's that's a sort of temporary thing really it's a very fast-paced yeah yeah very fast-paced temporary jolt you know yeah. and you just mentioned the grammys i mean that's another thing that's greatly changed in our industry yeah yeah uh if you watch the grammys there's a lot of things in my feeling as a musician and as a recording artist is really changed for the worse you know um you know you don't yeah, see that, a lot of the you don't see a lot of the great prestigious awards on primetime grammy night mm -hmm. anymore it's become a show it's become more like a vegas show and uh yeah it's definitely devalued i think what what it was i do i think the other thing that has changed john in our industry is the influence of artist products and signature products specifically on sales mm -hmm. and i'm not sure since you've left the industry whether or not you're seeing this i've definitely seen this in the past 10 years whereas um artists signature products still do help product sales, but not to the extent that I think they did when you and I were doing it in the nineties. Um, they help the, mm -hmm. the overall image of the company's brand and they bring uh, attention to that company and that increases sales. But as far as people actually going out and purchasing an instrument that is played by one of your favorite artists, uh, that doesn't seem to be as, as important as it used to be. And I, that's, I just think that's also a nature of the changes of music, you know, yeah. and individuality and self-promotion. Everybody wants their own thing and create their own thing. And there's a lot of different vehicles in order to do that now. So I've definitely noticed that change. I'm not sure if you've noticed that at all in, in yours. Yeah, I started to see it actually even before I left, which has been eight right. years now since I've been kind of out of the industry. And right. yeah, I, I would agree. And, and I think you're right. I think it's a there's a generation now that, is almost sort of anti that, you know, that yeah. they, they, yeah, they really don't want it. And, and I, you know, I, I understand that. I get that. It's yeah. But you know, I, mean, I don't know what I, with gone bops, we make decisions to do that. If the, the product is a great idea, if the artist has a great idea and it's, and it makes sense to blend those two things. And if it, if it comes out as a great product with a great name behind it, then it's really an important thing to do. Uh, 
and I still think there's a lot of value in it. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I know with drumsticks, I was with Innovative Percussion for 10 years. And with drumsticks, um, we didn't see the sales of the signature products quite as uh, high as just a 5A or a 5B or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. And I think I think you're right. And and having had experience with sticks as well, it's I think that's a that's a great example of it has to be like a really good product. Like if if an artist comes up, like Dave Weckel designed a drumstick 30 something years ago, that's a great stick. And he also happens to be Dave Weckel. And Steve Steve stick too is a you know yeah. very functional, um versatile right. stick. Right. And, and uh, Steve Gadd. So uh, you're right. I think in those cases, you've got guys that continue yeah. to sell. Peter Erskine has a great um, ride cymbal drumstick, you know, that again, very right. functional. And yeah, but I, I know I, just, just the name alone isn't going to be what it used to be to sell a lot of these products. Yeah. Yeah. So all you manufacturers take note, you're getting <laughs> some free advice from my pal, Rich Mangicaro up here. <laughs> so, now, now that and, and I, I think I saw something today in the news that you guys have now res- lifted all your restrictions out in California. Is that, is that correct? As of today. Yeah. As of today. Okay. Not too sure how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. <laughs> I'm not really ready to go into a restaurant personally yet, although I am vaccinated. But I still like to do the outside dining, and uh, yeah. But people are starting to play in clubs. I just got an invite to go see somebody tonight. Uh, but I'm not really that keen on going into a club yet. Uh, although I feel like, you know, I really do believe in the vaccine is it's very effective. There's a yeah. lot of science and a lot of history behind it. Um, I'm not quite ready there. I just, I guess I'm a little shell shocked still just, uh, you know, cause there's a lot of people in the country that don't believe in the vaccine or won't get it. Right. So it's kind of hard to, I mean, if everybody was doing the right thing, it'd be a different thing. I mean, I understand people not getting vaccinated because they might have an allergic allergic thing or a condition. That I understand, but um, there's enough science out there to give people the right information. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, but we're I doing really that. well in California, actually. Los Angeles is doing extremely well with this right now. How about I'm glad you hear are? that. Yeah, same here. Same here. We lifted, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I, rem- I think it was just after Memorial Weekend like all the restrictions were lifted so that it's sort of full capacity again. And we went to a restaurant inside for the first time last week. We'd only been doing an occasional outside dining. And um, we actually were going to sit outside last uh, Tuesday at this little local place and they were threatening thunderstorms. So we said, yeah, let's go inside. And, and it was cool. It got, it got a little crowded and Kelly got a little bit, a little uncomfortable. I did too. You know, it was a party right behind us and, pretty good sized party, but so they're not spacing between the tables that much. Not that much, not uh, that much. And, and, and luckily I, the overlap time wasn't that much. Like we, we were when by the time they got there, we were easily two thirds through our, our dinner. Right. So we didn't have to spend too much time there. And, um, but I was, I was asking because I, I wondered if maybe that was, and you kind of answered it. I wondered if that was going to start to open things up in terms of your playing. Yeah. You know, gigging. I mean, there is gigs now. I mean, there are gigs opening. Baked Potato has live shows now, uh, yeah. but they're reducing yeah. the capacity in the club, and that's what they're doing. They're they're, they're cutting back on how many people can go in. Uh, so, 
uh, and they are spacing people out in the club. But you know what the big potatoes like. I don't know. I, how, do. I don't know. You get you can get six people in that club if you space them out. <laughs> I was right? going to say. Yeah, it, I know it's it's a it's a little place to begin with. So yeah, but so, but yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm not that. I don't know. I'm not that excited to go play a gig yet. Um, I'm enjoying being in the studio and working on things right now. So that's great. If something and comes then, along though. I, I I'll consider it. Yeah, I, I I know what you mean. We we've my band has done a couple of um, well, we did a live an outdoor show last week. We're doing one next week and another one the week after that. And there's talk about maybe in the fall doing some indoor stuff, but we're just going to sort of wait and see. You know, it, yeah, it, yeah, not, yep. yeah, not really comfortable right at the moment with it. But um, but I, I'll say this, Rich: if things continue to go in the direction that they're going in. And maybe it's the same for you out there. It's, I think by the fall, I would be comfortable. You know, we, we just, yeah. you know, we just last night had the state of emergency lifted in Massachusetts, which is great. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Me too. I think me too. I think a few more months and we'll know more. Yeah. yeah. Things change so quickly. Yeah. Now, and you, you had told me a while ago that um, you've been doing some, some speaking engagements too. And, at, is it is that like at colleges or? How did well, that... I was doing a little bit of that stuff years ago. Actually, I, I had a thing called um, Backlot to Backstage, and I was doing a, a little speaking thing for the local schools. Like I did it Hollywood High School, and actually, it was it was in conjunction with the Sherry Lansing Foundation, the producer in Hollywood, Sherry Lansing. Mm-hmm. She has this Give Back to the Community Foundation, and um, so I was I was one of the speakers for that for a little while, where I would get guests and come to the school and talk about the music industry. So, uh, and I would have all kinds of guests. I had actually one time I did it with Steve Picaro and Joe Picaro. We talked about recording with the high school uh, kids at Hollywood high school. And then I've done different things where I've had a couple of um, film editors go with me and uh, so across the, across the, inter- the entertainment industry a little bit. I didn't do it very long, but I did it. I did about, I don't know, 10 schools or so. Um, but I, I've been actually in the past three years, I've been a little bit busier um, finishing a web series that I created and also my record. So, uh, you know, and then just recording and working on number two now. So, yeah. Any idea when that's going to be out? That's is that still a ways off from being being done? I'm halfway through the second album right now. I'm, I should be done by uh, the fall. I hope to have it released. My first one came out in 2018 and uh, solo instrumental. Uh, that I did, um, I wrote all the music and played all the keyboards, drums, and percussion. And then I have a great music partner named Jonathan Clark, who I toured with with Glenn Fry. He was uh, Glenn's uh, bassist and background vocalist, and he's a brilliant engineer and musician. So he's my co-writer, and he helped me with the first one. We're working on the second one now. And the second record is more of a collaboration. We're we're co-writing some things. Um... And I've got some guest artists on it. So the bass player for Venice is on one song. Um, and then I'm bringing in some of my old friends from my youth to play on it, too. When I toured in that show band thing, the sax player is playing on it. Great. And um, phenomenal chromatic harp player that I toured with Venice with named Tolak, Tolak Olestad, who lives in Holland. He's playing on it. And uh, it, it's exciting to have 
all these collaborations. The record's going to be called Dialogues for that reason. And um, so, yeah, I'm, that's I'm in the throes of that right now. So that's awesome, buddy. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm jumping around, but I, I yeah a while ago, and I and I, and I want to tell everybody, especially you, that I was remiss in not having you. We did this show uh, when Robin Flans came out with her book on Jeff. Um, it's about time, Jeff Picaro. And it was a total miss to not have you be part of the, the guests on that show. And we are going to do a part two. And I think Gary Katz is going to be on it. Right. And you definitely have to be on it. Love um, and, and hopefully Keltner will, will want yeah. to come on too. And, and, and I, I saw somewhere, I don't know if, if, if I read it or I saw an interview with Jim where he mentioned the last time that he saw Jeff was at a Peisty photo shoot mm-hmm. with you and his dad and Joe and, and Jim. And there's, and there's a picture of the four of you guys that I've seen. That's I, I get choked up when I see it. I really do. Whenever I see it, 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 and, and Jim telling the story about that was the last time. And he mentions you he said there's a photo shoot that Rich put together for. It was um, the photographer's name was Jack White. Uh, who's also Jack White, the drummer who was the drummer for uh, Rick Springfield. In the oh, early yeah. hit, in the early hits, Jack White, great drummer from Detroit, Michigan, sure. uh, who lives out here now. Uh, Jack was a fantastic photographer, and he was our photographer for quite a while. Actually, he did a bunch of campaigns for us. Um, and that one particular campaign that I was doing was groupings of different people, uh, and it was an artist series. And that grouping that day was Joe and Emil and Keltner and Jeff. Before oh, them. Emil, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it was at Jack's house in Hollywood Hills. He had this beautiful house. At the time, he was married to Katie Seagal. So he and Katie had this fantastic house with this big, beautiful uh, living room, really great high ceilings, wonderful for photography. So we shot that there. And uh, the four of them together was so much fun and oh. so much goofing around and you know, Emil was Jeff's godfather and, you know, all this silliness and Jim and Jeff were, you know, oldest friends. And we yeah. got this fantastic shot. It's such a beautiful shot. And that was the last time that we all saw Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ah, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't mean to bring it up. I just, I just, it was such a touching story when I heard Jim talking about it and, and seeing the picture, um, yeah, that's yeah, and was, I know you guys were tight. We were we were close. Yeah, yeah. we had some fun together. Je- Jeff would um, Jeff had a way of uh, changing the room when he walked into it. Yeah, you know, he had okay. that kind of charisma, and he would yeah. literally change the room when he walked in, uh, in such a good way, you know. And he was a huge ballbuster. <laughs> I, I mean, that, yeah, <laughs> I, I'll give you one really great. Jeff story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when years at Peisty, when we had the, our sound room at the booth, do you remember when we had live music? I, yeah. In fact, let me just tell you, I was working at DW and I was still there in the NAM of 89. I remember this and you guys introduced the signature line that year, I think January right. NAM. And I bumped into him in the hallway and he, he remembered me from meeting a couple of times and, and I was so excited. And he, and he goes, I could tell he was like just being polite for a minute because he was he goes, Hey man, do you know where the Peisty booth is? And I said, Come on, I'll take you there. They're in the next room. And I, I brought him over and anyway, oh, but yes, yeah, I, so I, I don't remember. know that. That's great. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. It, yeah. 
Well, we used to have a sound booth. This, this is when you talk about our industry, this is when NAM was incredible. This is yeah. when our industry was incredible. Every year we would have a sound booth with live performances, you know, at the Peisty booth. And it was my gig to organize those bands. And so, you know, one, one, one NAM I would have like, I mean, incredible. Like one year we had, uh, Carlos Vega and, uh, Mike Pena and, um, David Garfield as a trio. Then mm -hmm. one year we had Chad Wackerman with Mike Miller and uh, and Doug Lund on bass. And then one year we had Jeff with uh, his brother Mike on bass. And um, was Lenny playing percussion? No, Castro. No, and it was. No. I think it was also David Garfield. It was a trio. Again, okay. they're always trios, yeah. except for I'll, I'll get to the except for because except for is really funny. But um, <laughs> so the one year that I had Jeff there, we had three shows a day or something like that, three or four shows a day in this room. And that one weekend, I'll never forget, we get there, we get there, we're getting ready to get things set up for the first day. And it happened to be Super Bowl weekend. And, you know, the NAMM show starts on Thursday. So we're getting closer to Sunday. And Jeff goes, Manj, he used to call me Manj, Manj, where's the TV in the room? I go, what? He goes, where's the TV for the Super Bowl, man? Where's the seat? Where's the TV? I go, oh, I don't think we're going to have that. He goes, oh, man. He was not happy <laughs> that we weren't playing the Super Bowl in the room, you know. <laughs> and that same Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, uh, he comes up to me, and, and I would introduce the band in between, you know, the sets. And he yeah. would always be behind me with a stick, poking me, going, hurry up, you know, when I'm introducing them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just you know because he used to bust me all the time but at one point before one of the sets he goes hey listen i got this guy i want to introduce you to that i want to play it's abe laboreal's son i go really he wow. goes yeah he's 16 he's about ready to go to berkeley you got to hear him and we're talking about abe laboreal jr so this is the first time i'd met abe jr before he'd gone off to berkeley and that's when i signed him to Peisty when he was that young I had to go through his dad to do it, and we brought him on board at that weekend. Yeah, I, I remember you guys got him really young because yeah. by the time he got out of Berkeley, he was just he was, you know, instantly like the guy. Well, yeah. I, thanks to Jeff, that's how I. I mean, wow. I never I knew who Abel Boyle Senior was. Never really hung with him. I met him through Jeff at the baked potato, but never met him. So when I signed his son, and we became really close friends, and. Um, and then Abe Jr. became who he became. Um, another quick story. There was That's a great uh, signing, man. It was a yeah. So years years later, Abe Abe Jr.'s got the gig with Paul McCartney, and uh, I get a call from his father and from him and saying, "Hey, what are you doing uh, this weekend? We're going to go see Steps Ahead at USC. You want to go with us?" And um, so I ended up going with just the two of them to see Steps Ahead at USC at the theater at the college there. I'll never forget that experience. It was like, I'm sitting with these two guys watching one of my favorite jazz groups. I don't know if Peter was playing. I'm trying to remember. I'd have to ask Peter. It could yeah. have been Peter. It probably was Peter. I mean, I think Steve Smith might have, he played for a minute with him. It was probably Peter, it was, yeah. Because I remember Steve, Steve Smith played him. I don't remember if, it was, I think it was pretty sure it was Peter. But I'll never yeah. forget sitting in that audience, the two of them next to me, you know, and just pinching myself again, you know, small town yeah. Syracuse coming out of me going, wow, look at this. I'm so fortunate, you know, 
And it was really great to share that with them. You know, because you know Abe, Abe Senior, he, when he gets excited, he's jumping all over the place. Yeah. You know, and it was <laughs> yeah. like that. It was great. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was going to say, and I'm, I'm sure people ask you all the time, you know, um, and, and I, knowing you, the, I, I already know the answer to this, but um, people ask, like, you know, what it's like to meet guys of that level or, or work with them and deal with them. And, and, and I'm sure you'd agree it's, it's you being you and just, and just treating them like regular humans. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's, it's, I, 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 I know what you're saying because I've, I've like driven home from gigs at times or, or been somewhere and gone like, wow, I can't fucking believe I just did was in the same room with these guys or just, this just happened. But, um, but it's 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 funny how when you've done that job as long as you've been doing it, um, you you know you 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 immediately can go to that default right way to be versus how you know the wrong way how other people can kind of do it the wrong way. I guess if that I think that sense. you know, I think uh, thank you. I, I mean, I feel like yeah, they just are they are just people, but they're incredibly talented people and. There's a place for admiration and then there's a place for getting down to business and taking care of things. And I happen to be pretty OCD. So <laughs> I, I like to keep things organized and, you know, uh, so I think that helps in this kind of a job because as you know, there's a lot of multitasking. There's a lot of balls in the air all the time. Yeah. You have to yeah. keep really, really solid record keeping and you, um, I mean, doing artist relations, you, you're dealing with every level of player and, and they're all important. You know, I mean, in, in one hour of our work, we're going to be talking to, you know, a lot of different people and they could either be on stage at Madison square gardens or in a club and they're all important. And what they're doing is important. No matter how famous they are. So exactly. you treat everybody with respect because they're making a living doing that, you know? Uh, and I think that also because you and I became as came into this as drummers, and as, as professional musicians prior to getting this gig, that gave us a foundation of how to do this. I think, I think it helps, yeah. you know, but I think also keeping yourself in check because, uh, you know, I just feel very lucky, you know? Yeah. And I, I think like yourself, I, I, I always felt that, um, you've got, you know, one of the key things is just, is, is always being honest and and never you know never promising something that you can't do you right. know it's it's you and i have known people in the business that you know it's easy to say yes to everybody to everything um the hard thing is to say no but still have that respect and still yeah. you know have somebody understand why you can't do something for them which can be the case sometimes you know and yeah right um, yeah and that's i think that's the, the difficult part yeah. That's the difficult part. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, endorsements. Uh, it's not what everybody thinks it is. I mean, I wrote that article for modern drummer and for percussive notes about what is an endorsement, you know, because really an endorsement is an extension of the sales force extension of sales efforts, you know? So, uh, right. you know, it has to make sense in that regard as well as, I mean, it's a two way street, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. It's, it's gotta be reciprocal. It's gotta be about, you know, 
promoting the product, the brand, as well as supporting the artist. It's all going to go. It can't be a one-way street, um, just the artist getting whatever they want and you not getting anything back for it and, and vice versa. Yeah. yeah. We, could, we could talk a long time about that stuff. But yeah, we could. <laughs> we've, we've been really good about not naming any names <laughs> and not telling any, any, any incriminating stories, so that's good. And we could, and we could. <laughs> but it's funny, you know. We've sh- we've sh- we've we've shared a lot of the same friendships over the years, and so a lot of the same people. And you know, I've met a lot of the great people that I've met through you as well. You know, some of the Zildjian artists that I didn't get a chance to work with, I met through you, and like Alvin Jones, you know, yeah, or yeah. you know those kind of names. You know, I say his name, and I just go, I can't even believe that I met him. I can't even believe it. You know, somebody that's such a, to me, one of my biggest influences, you know? Yeah. You know, that's the part that I know you and I, I can speak from both of us that we feel so lucky. You know? Absolutely. So we, well, we know these guys, you know, and and uh, and could have had a, just a sliver of something in their career. You know? And, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Rich, because I, I didn't want to harp on that too much about, um you know, and I mentioned how things, you know, when I said, what are your thoughts about how things have changed? But yeah. like when we got into this in the 35 years ago, you know, a lot of these cats were still around and, and it was, it really was different. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, I don't mean to say it's not to say that it's better or, or, you know, and it's worse now, but I mean, these, these guys were roaming the earth and, and, you know, guys like Jeff and guys like Carlos Vega and, and uh, and Elvin Jones and you know and and those moments that we had with them, you know Tony Williams were just yeah. I'm I'm like you. I mean I I still now at my at my age I I think back and go I'm so glad that I was around that I got into the industry when I did and I was Thank there you. for that time you know and and you know you were you were close with um, Tumas Paisti. Mm-hmm. Two months, yeah, and, and me with Armin Zildjian, and yeah. and I think they both passed away around the same time, right? Yeah, crazily, yeah, which, which, yeah. It's but to have that, you know, to to know that you know you got to work closely with, you know, the not the founder, but but same Armin wasn't the founder of Zildjian, but you know, one of the the real pioneers of of Peisty and and me with Armin Zildjian, it's. You know, those are those are really precious memories that we we get to have, and it's really it's are a blessing. No kidding. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of those people are not with us any longer that started this industry, as you well know. Uh, the icons of the, the names yeah. of the companies, you know. I know. So it's I definitely know. different now. You know, um, there's still a lot of really great things happening. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think yeah. that endorsements are still very valid and relationships between the player and the company is still very valid and important. Uh, and in some respects, even more mutual in some way, uh, there was a lot more fl- flexibility and financial flexibility back in the nineties when we were doing it in the eighties to, for companies like ours to promote these artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't so social media promotion that we were doing a lot of that, you know, and these days, it's more of a mutual effort, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there, there really was more of a, of a, you know, kind of a, 
a de- like you know developing artist sort of program yeah. back in the days where where you or I would sign someone that we knew like Abe Laboreal who we knew doesn't have a gig yet but man this guy's a monster he's gonna have a big gig you know you you could do that and I think now there's I don't know I don't do it anymore but I think there's more of an em- like an, an emphasis on you know proven commodities one way or another whether it's social media or yeah. you know what kind of a following do they have and um, yeah, I think almost back in the day, we were more talent scouts than they are today, artist relations people. Yeah. Our job was more of a talent scout. You had to look, kind of look into the future a little bit and see the potential of somebody before you bring them in. And, and I know Zildjian was very effective at that. Feisty was as well and yeah. of uh, seeing the future stars, you know. Uh, it's the same when I, you know, started working with Danny Carey from Tool or, uh, you know, you know, you with any of the guys, you know, Josh or, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. You're right. No, that's exactly it. I mean, that was, I, I, you know, when I was at DW, same thing. It was, it was, the idea was artist relations was about that. You know, you had to, they, you were hired because, you know, you're, you're supposed to have your finger on the pulse and, and have a feel for being a musician, being a drummer yourself, you know, knowing good drummers and, Right. And uh, a lot of times, you know, it's crystal ball work, as we know. But yeah, but like you said, but recognizing a standout player and not letting him get away, and right, and hoping you can make that happen. Yeah. No. But I, you know, I, I just got to say it. It's it, it's you're. I'm glad that you're still in the business, and um, you know, at Gone Bops, and you represent to me what I remember, like our our generation of artist relations guys being you know like of that you know cut from that same cloth so to speak thanks man and you know gombops is really a very interesting creative and innovative brand and uh uh staying true to the authenticity and the heritage of the instrument which is exciting to me and a great team behind it you know andy zildjian uh the head of Sabian uh, has a lot of foresight in this, you know, and he really sees this very, very well. And he saw the potential of the brand because uh, he acquired it uh, um, over 10 years ago mm-hmm. from DW and, uh, and it's thriving. We're having fun creating new things all the time and we have great artists and, you know, just like it's always been the past 35 yeah. years for me, it's still inspiring to, get up every day and, and work with the artists that I work with, whether it's Alex Acuna or Lenny Castro or, or, or any of our artists, any of our great artists, you know, yeah. I mean, they really are playing the instrument because they love it and they're helping us move the brand forward. And if that all has not changed and that's all still the same. And it still feels like the old days at, at times when it comes to that side of it, you know, mm-hmm. I'll have an idea for a product. Let's create this product. Let's work together on it. Let's do, let's do product development. Um, let's promote it. Let's come up with a cool marketing thing. Because um, I do all of the um, video, uh, a lot of the, most of the video creation and editing for the company. And um, uh, and now with the way things have been this past year, we've had to dive into the thing that you've dove, in, dove into here, which is this kind of promotion. So that's fun because I'm doing the interviewing now. Uh, in two different ways. One, like you're doing right here with uh, Gombops called Gombops Live, which is a live 
to Facebook and YouTube with uh, our artists. And it's usually yeah. a grouping of some kind. And we have a fun conversation, hang out, like we're all hanging out. And then we also have a podcast, which is an audio show, a radio format style. And I've, I'm doing that for Gone Bops. And that's, you know, you find that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And, uh, and that's a one-on-one, very in-depth interview style thing, uh, which is also made me learn new tricks, right? I had to <laughs> learn editing and learn it's because when you listen to a podcast, something I didn't know because I love podcasts and I listen to them. You don't know how much post goes into that, how much editing time goes into it hours and hours. Because if you just took the recording that yeah. you do of the conversation and you just put that up, there was a lot of stuff in there that you shouldn't be putting in there. Not that it's, you know, maybe nasty or whatever the, it's, it, there's a lot of, you know, how conversation can be. Sure. It can yeah. be tangents. It can be saying the same thing over and over again or stating your point and then stating it three or four more times. So you have to, as an editor, know how to get it in and, 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 and make it flow so it sounds like a conversation. And that's, yeah. a, that's something I had to learn. So um, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> you that's know? hard work, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's fun. It's hard work. It's definitely hard work. It's forced me to get better at editing and learning logic and whether it's logic or you use Pro Tools or whatever you use out there. It's definitely, it's one of the things I could say to everybody that's watching today is um, get good at you learning a DAW, get good at learning how to record yourself, get, 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 get into it. Cause it's so fun to learn how to record yourself, how to engineer and how to come up with your own product. Um, I can't stress that enough. That's great. That's great advice. That's really great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, buddy, I know you're sweating like crazy there. It, it's I'm okay. The fans are going. I'm surprised you can't hear these fans. I'm, uh, yeah, it's okay. Good. Well, <laughs> no, it's it, the sound is fine. So, but, but I I I want to thank you for doing this. This is thanks for. Oh, I know it was a sort of last minute thing, and I really appreciate you, you know, working with me on the on on your schedule on this. I appreciate you having me, brother. Absolutely, pal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so. I guess in closing, I just want to, everybody watching, if you can, you can check out Rich on, um, it's this, it's Gone Bops Live on Facebook. Gone Bops Live, uh, on that's YouTube. on YouTube and Facebook, or you can check out the, the podcast is called The Percussion Loft, and you can find that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's called Percussion Loft, uh, or my website, my name, richmanjicaro.com, I, that's where I post what's coming up or what's happening or uh, when I'll release the next album, that kind of stuff, you know, that's great. Uh-huh. Great. Well, cool brother. It's been great chatting with you. Hang tight for one second. I'll end okay. the stream and then we'll, we'll hang in the room for a minute and say our goodbye there. Thanks for having me. Thank you everybody. Big hand for rich man, Jakara, everybody. And I got my, the gong that Vic Firth gave me right there. No, look at that. With look a at hole that. in it. With a hole in it. That's now, an Emil Richards thing. Okay, I, I didn't know the story behind that, but I that's probably why. Yeah. Okay, so extremely quickly, that hole yeah. was Emil yeah. Richards' idea because he said it was too difficult to bow a gong going around the back of the gong. So he had us drill the hole right through the, the gong itself. So when he was in the studio and the cue and the red light went on when they were recording soundtracks, you put the bow in there and just go, zip, and that's what that's for. Wow, and I, I didn't know. I. Okay. And Emil swore that that also helped the gong open up faster. So it does open up pretty quick. It's, it's, it's pretty, 
I don't have a mallet, but it does open up pretty quick. That's why they have the hole in it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thanks, pal. That's good. Sure. Good information. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rich. Hang tight for one second. Everybody, thanks for watching. Um, next Tuesday, the 22nd, Dave Desenzo, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, I think. And um, thanks again for tuning in today. Thanks, All John. Right. See you. Thanks, Rich. See you in a minute. Bye-bye.